Hello, Nicole here. Welcome to PsychMind Podcast. I am the host for the show, which has two mini-series within it. In the And Mental Health series, I talk all things related to mental health. Anyone interested in cultivating a sense of peace and tranquility in their lives might want to give this podcast a listen to. In my And ABA series, I talk about all things related to applied behavior analysis. I used to work as a behavioral supervisor in a clinic for individuals with autism and with children and adults who had varying levels of needs. So parents, caregivers, or therapists might find some of the information useful. It is important to note that while everything is based on my education and experience, what is said is by no means prescriptive. So please take what resonates with you and just leave what doesn't. With that being said, I hope you enjoy listening and learn something new today. Welcome to episode 7, Language Development and ABA. Today we'll be talking about language development from a functional behavioral perspective, as well as where to start when teaching individuals to talk. So before we get into this episode, I'd like to remind you that there will be the usual freebie over on psychminds.com. I would highly recommend that you check out the resources page where you can download a free sample of what a language development program could look like with tips on how to reward and shape your child's vocals. Keep in mind that this is just a standard sample and all programs do need to be tailored to the individual and his or her needs in order to be the most effective. In order to access the sample, all you have to do is sign up as a subscriber And you have access to the entire resource library, which is updated twice a month with new content. So right now there's quite a lot of content available for you to check out. For now, get comfortable, sit back and take a listen. I hope you learn something new today. On a previous episode of our End ABA series, we talked about non-vocal communication. So we talked about how even if your child is not communicating vocally, it's still important to implement some form of communication system so that your child can express their wants and needs in some manner. We talked about sign language, communication devices, and picture books to assist in this form of non-vocal communication. Because at the end of the day, communication is communication, whether it's vocal or not. On this episode, we will be focusing on vocal communication and how to teach speech in a somewhat structured and functional way. So, a little bit of history of language development and language theories. It was B.F. Skinner who believed that children learn to use language through the process of operant conditioning. This basically means that when a response is followed by a positive consequence or a reward, that response is strengthened and will likely occur with more frequency in the future. Let's put this into an example. So if a child wants juice and says juice, and then this response is followed by the mother giving the child juice, the child will likely say juice in the future when they're thirsty because this response was met with positive reinforcement. So that's kind of what the basics of operant conditioning looks like in action and when it's applied to language. So from a functional behavioral perspective, The meaning of the word is based on the function, not some inherent concept or generalized understanding. So the word 
cookie could be understood as a request if the child is hungry and asking for a cookie, or it could be understood as a label if the child sees a cookie in the environment and says cookie, or it could be used in the context of answering a question. So someone says, what is your favorite food? And the child answers cookie. In each of these scenarios, from a functional perspective, it's the same word, but it's being used in a different way. So the teaching of language reflects that. Let's dive in so that you can get a clear understanding of how this looks when it's incorporated into a language program. So in this episode, we're going to talk about teaching a child to request, to label, and to answer questions or fill in the blanks. If you are a therapist or a caregiver or in the ABA field, or you have a child who is receiving ABA therapy, you may hear more technical terms being used, which are the terms that B.F. Skinner came up with to distinguish between the different ways in which language is used. So I just want to mention them quickly here in case you come across them in kind of your talks with therapists or in reports. So briefly, the request is also known as the mand. So if they're requesting something, they're manding for it. Labeling is known as tacting. So if they're labeling a tree in their environment, they're tacting the tree. And answering questions or filling in the blanks is also known as interverbals. Typically, when beginning to teach language skills, we start with requesting, since there's the most motivation inherent in the skill, because essentially the child wants something. So let's say your child wants a ball toy and they're pointing to it. How this teaching approach would look is that you would withhold the ball for a few seconds and say ball in a kind of clear voice. And if the child attempts to say ball by saying ba ball or some vocal approximation, you would reward them by giving them the ball immediately. It's important to start with highly motivating items so that the child is motivated to use language and get the toy activity, whatever it is. Something that I came across in my practice was that sometimes parents, understandably, would want their children to ask for things like healthy snacks or activities that were different from the iPad. So lots of children I worked with, kind of, they only wanted to use the iPad. But when you're just starting out teaching this skill and getting your child to request for things, it is important to start with things that the child actually wants, not things that you want the child to want. So it would be ideal if your child was asking for apples and bananas as a snack, but if your child doesn't want an apple or banana and they want a cookie, it's not really going to work when you're initially starting to teach the skill where you try and get them to request or demand for apples. If they're not motivated, they're not going to do it. So I would say start with things that are actually reinforcing and motivating for the child. And then later on, once you start building up the skill and they start requesting consistently for the things that they actually want, then you can start including the other items, more healthy snacks, different activities other than the iPad. So later down the line, you can incorporate other things. It's also important to use toys or activities with words that are already in your child's vocal repertoire. So for instance, if your child isn't speaking or they have limited vocal repertoire, and one of their favorite things is a rocking horse, you don't want to have them, you know, say rocking horse. That's quite difficult. It's a long, you know, two-word phrase. So instead of trying to prompt them to say rocking horse, just start with something like 
bro, rock, rocky, something like that. And then you can slowly shape up the correct response from there. Once they're consistently saying, let's say, rocky, you can build that up to rocking horse. So you want to start with where your child is at and build up from there. And when you're teaching this, if your child doesn't make any approximation at first, then they're just staring at you, wondering what's going on. That's okay. Especially in the beginning, you know, they're going to have to get used to what's actually happening and understand that there's an exchange taking place here. So the first few times might feel a bit weird. Your child might look at you in a strange way, but it takes practice and some repetition. And it's important to make what is taking place obvious to the child in a way so that they understand that there's an exchange. So they make a vocal approximation or they say the entire word and then they get whatever it is that they're asking for. So it's important to kind of just establish that exchange repertoire. And it's also important to reward the child every single time they make a correct either approximation or they say the word. So every single time they ask for something, it's important to give it to them and reward them. And once you've established this and they're consistently asking, then you start fading out when you give them the item. You can start kind of denying the item sometimes because otherwise you'll just get what's called a manned monster. So they just keep asking and keep asking. So they keep, you know, getting whatever it is they want. So later down the line as well, you can fade that out and not always give them what they want, you know, based on the situation. But it is important when you're just starting out and you're just teaching the skill to reward them pretty much continuously when they ask correctly or they give some sort of vocal approximation for the item that they want. The next skill that we're going to talk about is how to teach your child to label items in the environment, or the technical term here is tact. This is different from requesting because when you label something, you don't get the item that you're labeling. So instead, the reward for speech is usually some form of praise. So when your child says bird after they see a bird flying in the sky, they don't get the actual bird. What they receive from you is verbal praise, saying something along the lines of, you know, well done, yes, that is a bird, something like that. So it's important for you as a parent to be constantly labeling items, activities, people, colors, whatever it is in your child's environment, to always be labeling it. So even if they're not speaking, your child is still absorbing all these words and phrases. So even if they cannot say things like, I don't know, remote control, if you say something like, bring me the remote, and they go and get it, that indicates that they understand what a remote is. So it's important to label everything in your child's environment. And when teaching them to label, you should use items that the child frequently comes into contact with, as this will offer a lot of teaching opportunities. And as we said, repetition is key to building up the skill. So if your child, you know, never uses, I don't know, scissors or paper, you wouldn't start with teaching them to label, oh, these are scissors, this is paper. You might start with the iPad or ball or something that they see a lot, you know, spoon, cup things that they use. And the procedure for teaching is essentially the same as the request, except they do not get the item that they label. They get praise instead. But the shaping process is the same. So let's say there's an apple on the counter. You might point at it, look at your child expectantly for a couple of seconds. Again, if nothing happens, you can prompt by saying the initial sound, like ah for apple. And for a tact, so if they say ah or if they say apple, 
you would give a lot of praise, so say, well done, that's an apple, but you wouldn't give them the apple. But what you could also do is carry, you know, some stickers or some little toy, something that your child likes. And if they say apple correctly, then you can give them like a sticker or the little toy that you're carrying. And, you know, or you can like draw a smiley face on their hand, something like that, just to let them know that they did something that was, you know, really great and they should be proud of themselves and you're proud of them. So that can kind of reinforce that response. Lastly, we're going to talk about the intraverbal, which is answering questions or filling in the blanks. So if you ask your child, what's your favorite color? And they answer saying red, then that's an example of an intraverbal. Intraverbals can also be fill in the blank statements. So if you're saying ready, set, and your child says go, then that's an intraverbal. So when teaching this, it could be easier to start with filling in the blanks and doing this in the form of play so that it's kind of fun and exciting. So if you're building a tower with your child and you say one, two, and then prompt them to say three, and they say it, you could reward them again with hugs, tickles, praise, you know, whatever your child likes. So basically the common thread with these techniques is providing a lot of reinforcement for correct or prompted responses. And once those responses are established, then you can move on to more complex responses. You can build up their sentences instead of them just saying one thing like a ball. To get the ball, you could start teaching phrases like, I want the ball, give me the ball, please. You can just build it up from there. So overall, it's important to note that every child's learning trajectory will look somewhat different. So it's important not to kind of compare your child to other children's. Everyone's journey is going to be different. And some children may learn in a more structured way. Some may need more prompts and others less so. It all varies based on your child. But what is important and crucial here is that you start where your child is at. So start where they're at, not where you want them to be. Start with the approximations that are already in their vocal repertoire, just to get them into the habit of engaging and understanding what a vocal exchange actually is. And it's important to reinforce them when they do say the words or approximations correctly, especially at the beginning. So you should provide lots of praise, lots of reinforcement if you're teaching requesting. It's important to give them what they requested immediately to encourage them to use their words more in the future. And as I said earlier, it's important to reward them on a very consistent, continuous basis, especially when you're just starting out teaching the skill. And then once it's a bit more established, you can start fading that out a bit. Because realistically, we don't always get what we want when we ask for it. It kind of depends on the context and what's going on. In order to you know, teach the skill and make sure that your child picks up words, it's important to practice this as often as possible in your child's day. You can think about integrating it naturally within their day. So, you know, just throughout the day, pointing at things, maybe taking something that's in their hand, you know, whether it's a toy and trying to get them to ask for it, kind of just do it naturally within the day. Or you can take maybe 10 minutes aside where you sit at a table and practice the exchanges. So you might kind of sit down, have a bunch of things that you know your child really likes, and then in those 10 minutes, just kind of prompt vocal exchanges, prompt your child to ask for the coloring pencils, give them to him for a few seconds, for a minute, take them back, try and get him to ask again. You give them over if he asks or make some sort of approximation, and you continue that for 10 minutes. So these drills could help in the sense that there's repetition and you're making it obvious that there's an exchange happening. But you should think about just doing whatever works for you and your child. 
And make sure you keep in mind that this should not be an aversive or stressful process for your child in any way, especially when you're starting out and you're starting with teaching your child to request for things. This should actually be really fun for your child. So if you're doing the whole 10 minutes or five minutes where you're setting aside a certain amount of time and you're sitting on the carpet, let's say, with a bag of cookies and, you know, you point to the cookie and you prompt a response to so you say, cookie, and your child makes an approximation or they say cookie, they get a mini cookie or a bite of the cookie and you just do this over and over. This actually should be great for your kid. They should kind of love language time because they're getting all these fun things, these nice treats, these fun activities. So language time should not be sort of aversive. It should be something that's fun for the child. It's also important to create an immersive language environment. So if possible in your home, you should have plenty of books. You should have lots of colorful stimuli or posters on the walls, lots of different toys, things that your child finds, you know, motivating that they like, tasty snacks or treats about, fun activities. It's important to have all these things because it essentially gives you a lot to talk about with your child. And you can be labeling all these different things. You can be labeling, you know, colors or numbers of things. You know, there's six red blocks in, you know, the basket. So if you're just labeling things, that in itself is a great start to building up language. If you are wondering about the reasons why your child isn't talking, or you want a more structured plan, it's important to look for a speech and language pathologist and perhaps have a consultation with them, because these are just techniques to try and encourage your child to speak. But if you're looking for the reasons why they aren't talking or why their development isn't the same as you know their peers, then it's important to consult with a professional and yes, do some research as to who's in the area that you can see. But overall, that just about wraps up this episode. I do hope that the breakdown in the different language components based on function and the teaching procedures were useful for you in some way. And if you have any questions, comments, or just general feedback, I would love to hear it. On that note, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. While it can take up to an hour to create and edit, it only takes about a minute to review. And your reviews mean the absolute world to me. So if you could share, rate, or review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening, I would be so, so grateful. Thank you again, and I'll connect with you in the next one.